Welcome to the Just for Special Education Teachers podcast, the place to be if you just want to connect with other special educators, if you want to gain insights and strategies, or obtain resources to help you in your journey as you grow as a special educator. Today, we are going to continue on our behavior intervention series. And we're going to discuss another tier two intervention called self-monitoring. Self-monitoring is another research-based intervention that empowers students to recognize and manage their emotional and behavioral reactions in order to support behavioral change. And they do this through self-observation and recording skills. Self-monitoring promotes social responsibility and on-task behavior and self-regulation. So this can really be a great strategic behavior intervention when implemented appropriately. Self-monitoring is great for students who have attention and focus issues, could also be great for students that have executive functioning challenges, such as challenges with organizational skills. It's also great for students who are overly talkative or social, Uh, students that exhibit impulsive behaviors like tapping, making sounds, Uh, students that have trouble staying in their seats, just to name a few things that uh, your self-monitoring would be good for. Now, there are two prerequisites needed in order for students to be able to self-monitor. The first one is that they must be able to recognize the occurrence of the behavior, whether that's, you know, tapping or whatever. So when they're tapping, can they recognize that they are tapping? Okay, so that's the prerequisite. They need to be able to recognize the behavior. The second is that they must be able to perform whatever that replacement behavior is. So what would the replacement behavior be, let's say, for example, for tapping? Maybe that could be a stress ball, telling the student to squeeze the ball instead of tapping because squeezing the stress ball is more quiet and won't distract other students. So Can the student perform that placement replacement behavior that is squeezing the stress ball? In most cases, yes. So then self-monitoring would be an appropriate behavior intervention. Now, let me give you an example of what would not be good for self-monitoring behavioral intervention. Say, for example, a student stops doing work during algebra class and gets up out of his seat and starts walking around the classroom. So you have the student self-monitor how many problems they complete during each math session during algebra because your goal is to have the student be able to eventually complete his algebra assignment every day during algebra class. Well, does the student have the fundamental algebra skills in order to complete the lesson? Because if the student doesn't have the skill to complete the algebra problems, then self-monitoring would not be a good behavior intervention for this particular student because the student doesn't have the replacement behavior skill to do the algebra problem. So so in this example, self-monitoring would not be 
a good intervention for this particular student. We would have, the student would need to have the basic algebra fundamental skills first. That's the replacement behavior. We want him to do the algebra problems during class. So self-monitoring would not be a good behavior intervention in that particular instance. And we'll talk more about that later. So self-monitoring, other reasons that self-monitoring can be a great behavior intervention. It promotes independence and self-esteem. It empowers the students. It improves students' coping skills. It increases their productivity. It improves on-task behavior. It improves self-awareness and reflection. Now, once again, self-monitoring is a tier two intervention. So you would need approval from the student's guardian. This should be employed, your self-monitoring, when the class-wide tier one interventions aren't working. Now, let's talk about the five steps to self-monitoring implementation. The first one is to identify the target behavior or the academic need. Next, you're going to collect the baseline data for the target behavior and the academic need. So for example, so how often does the behavior occur? How often does the student tap on the desk? Tap, 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 tap. How often does the student do that? Then next, you're going to create the plan and collect all the supplies and materials needed to implement the plan. So for example, what incentives will be earned? Will it be a positive phone call home? Will it be five minute choice time? Will it be stickers? If it's stickers, then you need to make sure that you have the stickers. Okay, and then how will it be implemented? So will we use a checklist for the monitoring system? Will we use a chart? We will need to make sure that we have that created. Next, you're going to teach the student how to self-monitor using the system. And then you're going to develop an exit strategy. So exit strategy is the plan for phasing out the system once the student has reached the target behavior. So what level of independence is needed in order to exit the student out of the system. So if the baseline was that the student does it 10 times per class period, then maybe the student could be exited when they're down to doing it only one time per class period. So you wanna develop an exit strategy. Now, when the student is consistently using the new skill, the replacement behavior, you want to eventually decrease the number of times per week that the student does the self-monitoring. So say for example, in the beginning, you were self-monitoring on a daily basis and the student was self-monitoring every period during algebra. Well, once the student has improved, then you may be able to adjust that to two to three times per week and then maybe once per week until self-monitoring is no longer needed. Now, there, depending on which grade you're teaching, the grades that you work with, there would necessarily need to be some you know, age 
adjustments to how you do, how you implement self-monitoring, how you teach the student how to self-monitor. So for your older students, maybe a checklist is fine. For, say, your kindergarten or first grade student, let's say a student blurts out the answer, a, a kindergartner or a first grader, blurts out the answers to questions and rather than raising their hand, and you would prefer for the student to raise their hand. Well, a first grader may have a chart with smiley faces on it. And then when they're self-monitoring, you may have a smiley face, you may have a frown and one with a straight face. And then the student will circle each time that they raise their hand instead of blurting out the answer. And then when they forget to raise their hand and they blurt out the answer, then maybe they would circle uh, the frown. So just to give you some examples. Um, so certainly your kids, your younger kids, rather than having so many words on the checklist or whatever the system is that is going to be you, the document that is going to be used for monitoring, your younger kids, you would want to have limited words with more pictures. And your, for your older kids, you can maybe just have words or n- a number system. Now, the... You may also want to make adjustments to the length of time that it takes for the student to earn the reward, right? Your older students can go a little bit longer. Your younger students will need the reinforcement more frequently. Maybe they'll need it at the end of every period or at the end of every day, at the end of math, at the end of English, something like that. For more resources for self-monitoring, such as sample checklists and more information on ways to implement self-monitoring in your classroom, please see my podcast homepage. There is a link with more resources for the behavior intervention self-monitoring. Now, if you've missed any of the episodes for the behavior intervention series, make sure to check out episodes 13, 14, 15, and 17 for more tier one and tier two behavior interventions. Do you have any questions or comments that you would like to add to this discussion? If so, head on over to our Facebook page where we welcome your comments. Thanks for listening to the Just for Special Education Teachers podcast. And I hope to see you here at the same time next week.